Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never <laughs> in our never ending I work for him desire to bring you the t- Wow. The practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and work. Today we're talking about how to catch fish no matter where you cast your line. That's right, we've got Ken Jones, a fisherman from all areas of his life, joining us for our discussion today. But before we bring Ken on, a scripture passage from Luke 5. When, when he finished teaching, Jesus said to Simon, Push out into deep water and let your nets, cast, let your nets out for a catch. Simon says, Master, you don't know what you're talking about. We've been fishing hard all night and haven't even caught a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner said than done in a huge haul of fish, straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat, that would be James and John, to come help them. They filled their boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus said, Master, leave me. I'm a sinner and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. When they pulled in the catch of fish, awe overspired Simon, overwhelmed overwhelmed Simon for some reason I'm having a hard time reading this and everyone with him it was the same with James and John Zebedee's sons Jesus said to Simon there's nothing to fear from now on you'll be fishing for men and for women they pulled up their boats to the beach left them nets and all and followed him Ken Jones welcome to the I work for him show 
You know, I wasn't sure where an hour was going to be long enough, Jim. <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> wow. It may not be. With the two of us on yes. here, it's likely it will never be. I know. I don't, we have, uh, you get, sent me a pre, you know, prerequisite list of some of the things you wanted to talk about, and I said, I, I'll be shocked if we get past number five, but we'll give it a whirl. And, and I was telling Andrea when I was sitting in the hallway earlier that the WTIS call sign, I thought it said, for what time is supper? So when, if you up. well, if you'd have brought supper, we could have had it right here with us. That would have been fantastic. Got a pizza on my way here, but I like the fact that you skewed the whole thing to my favorite passion and fishing, and fishing. For everything. Awesome. When people think of Ken Jones, they think of fishing. And speaking of fishing, you know, right now we have the opportunity to talk about one of the big, biggest fishing fields in the country, and that's the chance to transform lives on college campuses. And we've got with us Ben Puckett from Clearwater Christian College on the line. Ben, welcome to the I Work for Him show. Oh, thanks, Jim. It's good to be back with you again. Yeah, it was great running into you today in the hallways at Clearwater Christian College. It's such a great school, and I'm so excited that as part of your curriculum, you are training and equipping students to recognize the biblical worldview and how they apply it to their jobs as they leave your hallowed halls. It's so exciting to me. Yeah, that is so true. I know from the first day the college ever opened, our founder, Dr. Steele, just wanted every one of the graduates to understand what the Word of God possessed, how they apply it to their lives personally, and then how they can impact their world, wherever that is, whether it's on the mission field, in the churches, but in particular, because we are a liberal arts college in the workplace, because uh, that, that's where the world is. That's where the world is, and uh, it's been tremendous. That that's been part of our legacy, part of our history from day one. And it's wonderful to see uh, alumni who are, are doing that on a day-by-day basis. You know, and I think it's so fantastic. You so bought into that vision from Dr. Steele. You married his daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, what, that's called the perks of uh, going to college, <laughs> without a doubt. But, uh, I but, think that's uh, fantastic. Know, I just think yeah. that's unbelievable. I, you know, Lori Hill reminded me of that today. And I'm thinking, I remember you told me we met a couple of years ago in, in the president's office, and it wasn't because I was in trouble. And you had mentioned that to me. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, wow, what a legacy in your family. Uh, oh, of being, doubt, of yeah. being involved at Clearwater Christian College. Listen, I know the Clearwater Christian College loves their students, and each and every year you do a golf classic to raise money for scholarships for next year. And you've got the Cougar Golf Classic coming up on April 17th at West Chase Golf Club. Do you still have room for more golfers? Yes, we do. Uh, we, we've got a, a good turnout, a lot of our uh, past supporters and some new ones. But uh, I think part of the transition, we used to do this in the fall. Now we're doing it in the spring this year. And uh, that, that kind of has changed up things a little bit, but uh, we, we've got a good number of folks who have already signed up, but there's still room for more golfers. So uh, we, we'd love to have more people come and join us. I think it's going to be a beautiful day. They tell me April is a great time to go golfing because even though the old adage says April showers bring May's flowers, the, in Florida, that's not the truth. We've got sunny skies, and it should be a wonderful beautiful day to go. I thought the Mayflower brought pilgrims. Wow. Okay, so, uh, the but that worked in Minnesota. You know, the, you know, March came in like a lamb, went out like a lion. That worked in Minnesota. April showers brought Mayflowers. That worked in Minnesota. It doesn't work here. The, the flowers are... It doesn't are, work in Florida no, at all. No, it doesn't work in Florida at all. So, how do people find out more about how they can get involved in the Cougar Golf Classic, Ben? Well, if you go to our website, clearwater.edu, and right on the landing page, you'll see a Cougar Golf Classic. You can click on that. That will take you to a page a link that has everything about the golf uh, tournament. There's uh, also on that page, you can download the brochure, which has all the details, and 
you can register and pay your registration fee right from that uh, website, right from that link. So very easy, just www.clearwater.edu, click on the icon, and you're there. Well, and this and the majority of these proceeds from this event, I'm sure you got a few little costs associated with this, are going towards scholarships for students for next school year, correct? Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, you know what? We've we've got a, a number of wonderful young people, and and um, you know we try to keep our costs competitive. Doctor Steele always says uh, it's a balance of faith: the faith that the college has to show in setting tuition prices, and then the faith that. Uh, young people and their parents have to uh, to show in order to pay for college. But uh, there's always families who, who, who need help. And through our general scholarship fund, we're able to help them uh, make up the difference. So uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. A number of young people can never go to college without help through the scholarship program. Well, that's fantastic. So people can find out more online about the upcoming Cougar Golf Classic for Clearwater Christian College, helping raise scholarships for students for next school year. Find out more online at clearwater.edu. That's clearwater.edu. Ben Puckett, thanks for calling in. Thanks, Jim. You have a great evening. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. We're back in studio live with Ken Jones, fishing expert in so many ways. In fact, Ken Jones is my inspiration when it comes to identifying people who are the best networkers in Tampa Bay. Ken Jones is right at the top. I don't know. He might have competition for me now, but he taught me. So I, I, I'm, I may be as good today as my trainer. All right. So, Ken, before we get into the discussions, and we got lots and lots of time for discussions, we're actually running out of time, is talk to me about how Christ is making an impact on your life today. Well, you know, Jim, I was one of those low percentage people. I was in my 40s when I got saved. You know, most people are saved at an earlier age, so I was predestined to probably not ever get saved. And an evangelist spoke at our church, and I I, I changed my life, and my whole view changed. And the thing that inspired me most about what he said was he said, bring your burdens and lay them down at the Lord's feet and walk away. And it was as if he was pointing at me. And what I try to do now is every single day Christ is... Uh, he's in me. You know, the Holy Spirit is there. And so I look at the world with that viewpoint now in that I'm looking for people that are looking, I guess. Maybe that's even part of my networking. And so every day, part of the prayer time that I have in the morning is, Lord, send somebody uh, across my path today that is looking, that is searching. And so every day I'm on point looking for somebody just like me when I was at, at that point in my life. And, I, and it's just, it's it's inspirational. It's like a challenge, just like fishing. Like fishing is a challenge for you. It's a challenge for most people. It's not a challenge for you. Well. You catch fish, they practically jump onto your line. Uh, it's, you know what? It's time on the water. It's, uh, first of all, I tell people, you have to fish where the fish are. And, you know, it's funny because Jesus used fishermen as disciples, if you remember, you know, and they don't have that much credibility. And I know because a lot of fishermen tend to exaggerate, you know, a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm a Texan, just so you know, you probably remember that. So well, I remember and Texans are known for exaggerations, right. huge exaggerations. So I have two things going against me when I tell people that's why I document everything. Right, Andrea? I was showing her some pictures of some of these fish I catch. So she knows they're real. She's she's seen them. But uh, we've seen the big fish. OK, so listen, you got quite a life story. But where did your love of fishing come from this is one of those great stories had this one young kid in my past not crossed my paths it probably would have never turned out to be in my passion but this was one of those adopted freckled face redheaded overweight kids that was a spoiled brat to use a term that's everybody's familiar with and nobody liked him in the fourth or fifth grade nobody liked this kid 
I didn't really like him that much, but he had he was an only kid, and he had toys. His parents bought him the best stingrays, the best chemistry sets, the best bows and arrows and BB guns, and he didn't have anybody play with and share them with, so I just showed up and started hanging out, and eventually we got to become friends that way, and he was really, once that demeanor came down, he was a, he was a good kid. And one day his, his uh, dad was going to take us from Dallas to Galveston, a six-hour trip, and we went saltwater fishing. And I sat with a small box of frozen shrimp on a rock jetty, and every cast we caught something different. In freshwater, you have a limit to three or four fish, right? Not in the saltwater, and no pun intended, but I was hooked. I said, this is great. Whatever I have to do to get to a saltwater environment, I'm going. I'm going. And that's what it was. It was His name was Steve. Steve got me hooked on fishing. That's yep. that's fantastic. I don't think you ever told me that. All right, so you, you learned it on a, you learned to appreciate it on a rock jetty in Galveston, Texas. That's how it all started. And now, was that before the oil rigs were off the coast, or were the oil rigs already no. off the coast by then? All the thirty mile rigs. In fact, Galveston was one of those beach communities where you would get the tar balls on the beach, and you would see all the hotel rooms had tar stains because there were leaks out there. Nobody said anything about it. You know, you just you just put up with it. If you stepped in it on the beach, you brought it back on your flip flops to the hotel room and. And so be it. But, uh, hmm. yeah, no, it was fun. I mean, seriously, every fish was something different. You never knew. Hmm. Okay, but this your love of fishing turned into a career early on in your life. Yeah, you know, I, I was in Texas. I graduated from college. I was... Uh, Did you have a fishing degree? You know, it's funny. I, I, I wish... I actually, when I was in high school, I looked at going into marine biology until I found out it was all about the lab room and none, nothing about being in the water. <laughs> I, I didn't want any of that study stuff. So, no, and I got, I had met a friend uh, in a, a fraternity, and he, he, was, he had moved to Florida, and he found me somehow. This was before Internet and everything. He just looked me up, made a few phone calls, and said, hey, uh, my brother bought a commercial fishing boat, and I'm running the boat, and would you like to come for a two-week fishing trip? And I said, yeah, when do we leave? And uh I I think I flew the first time to Florida, met with him. We went out for two weeks, came back, got a big paycheck, fantastic fishing. Two weeks on a boat, waking up under the Milky Way. In the, you know, it's just, I mean, pinch. I had to pinch myself. I'm getting paid to do this? Seriously? And uh, the money was so good and the camaraderie was so good, as I said, I don't really need to go back anytime soon. <laughs> So I stayed, and it became a month, and then one month became two months. And next thing you know, I went back and got a U-Haul trailer and threw everything I owned into it and became a Florida-Texas transplant and started commercial fishing with him. So how many years did you do commercial fishing? I fished about uh, about a year with him. He was the captain of the boat, and he is a Texan, and I'm a Texan. And uh, one day I had gotten to a point where I thought, I know as much as he knows. And he said, you know, Ken, there's... Not enough room in one pasture for two bulls. He said, you're probably going to have to get your own boat. And we amicably agreed. And as a matter of fact, uh, the owner of his boat had a friend that was looking to invest in a boat. And I got a brand new out of the mold boat. And we became fishing buddies. Wow. These were 50, you know, 50 foot commercial trawlers. And we would go to sea for anywhere from, you know, 10 to to 14 days, just depending on how long the bait lasted and how the fishing was. And fishing is a commodity, for those of you that don't realize this, but the price of fish goes up and down based on supply-demand basis. So when you're a bigger boat, you can fish the rougher times of the year in the winter when the price of fish goes up because the tourists are here. And you could actually make more money by coming in early with less fish 
and sell them at a higher price than if you stayed out until you exhausted your bait supply. So I had spotters on the beach that we used to communicate with the radio, and and they would say, now's a good time to come in. There's no boats in. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's now, were fun. you in the Tampa Bay area when you were, when you started longlining? Yeah, we were. Uh, we our boats were docked at Madeira Beach. There's okay. a charter boat center there where if you drive by there now, you see all those funny down by boats. John's Pass. Yeah. Okay. You see those boats with all those long arms that stick out. Sometimes they got the orange and the red buoy balls on them. Those were the types of boats that we fished on, and it's a rough crew. A lot of. A lot of white boots and tattoos, and you, you know, and uh, white boots and tattoos. That that's gives you an much image. The crowd, yeah, and you'll see them. Is there a thing there. against black boots or something, or what? I just guess that's the way these boots came. There's cement boots, but um, that's that's how you can spot a longliner walking up and down the beach, you know, with the white boots. <laughs> hey, Ken, we're going to do a book highlight segment, then we'll get back to more with Ken Jones. No matter where you are, he's going to teach us how to catch fish no matter where you cast your line. Hey, it's our book highlight segment, of course, is brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. The book today, the highlight, is Halftime, written by Bob Buford. If you haven't read this book, you need to read it. Every Christ follower in their 30s and 40s needs to read this book. Really, if you're in your 50s, it's fine, too. It's just all about shifting our perspective from chasing the elusive success to finding significance in no matter what we do. you got to get a copy of this book, and I'll send it to you. But remember, you need to read the book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, we're back live and in studio with Ken Jones, commercial fisherman, commercial insurance agent. No matter where he casts his line, he's always fishing. That's right. Ken Jones, welcome back to the I Work For Him show. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, so we're talking about you almost died fishing. It almost killed you. Yes, a couple of times, actually. But the one that was uh, you're probably referring to is a friend friend of mine, Jeff Price, and I weren't uh, playing hooky on a Thursday afternoon in his boat. But you weren't, like, playing playing hooky from school. It was from work. Yeah, it was from work. You know, it was like, let's take a day off, and uh, we need some R&R because we work hard and we deserve it. So we took his boat, launched out of Maximum Marine down in St. Petersburg, and went out for some uh, late afternoon scuba diving, and this was in June. It was June 26, 1993. You know how I know that? Because... Because it's my birthday. Is it really? Yeah. Well, now you'll never forget that date because when we went out there, we did a, a dive and a storm blew the boat off the anchor. And we didn't have an, a boatman, which is not, you know, that's really not recommended. That's one of those things you read about in the back of Skin Diver magazine. I learned about diving from that. So we surfaced in the middle of a maelstrom. I mean, it was a huge lightning storm, pea-sized hail, five to six-foot seas building, and there was no boat. So we drifted all night alone, 20 miles offshore in the Gulf. And we floated, you know, Bob and Bob. (laughs) Now, I I laugh now because out of uh, he was worried we weren't going to get rescued. I was worried I wasn't going to get my meatloaf dinner that my wife had made for me, one of my favorite meals. And that was that was my priority at the time. But the wind subsided. We saw the boat. The boat continued to drift further and further until we couldn't see it anymore. We weren't going to be able to swim to it, so all we had to do was just float and talk about life under the most beautiful Milky Way you've ever seen, out past the lights of land 
It's absolutely gorgeous. So the sharks never bothered you, though? Well, you know, one of the things we were looking for was the, the plankton in the water in the summertime is phosphorescent. Right, it glows. It glows. So I kept sticking my mask down in the water looking for a big V, and we never saw anything. Now, we had some crabs tagging along for a ride because they were tired of swimming, and they thought we might be a good place to land on. Similar to being asleep in the middle of the night and having a roach crawl across your face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, that's just unbelievable. So what, what were you looking for? The big V V in the plankton. What do you mean? Well, you know, a shark or any fish that's swimming throws, you know, right? a wake. Oh, so I if see. You, if you looked down at the water and you saw that arrow thing coming your way, you knew that they were checking <laughs> you, you out. And you below. never saw that. Nope. All right. All right. We're talking with Ken Jones, fisherman in all his areas of his life, about how to catch a fish no matter where you cast your line. And Ken was talking about his harrowing night in the Gulf of Mexico on my birthday, June 26, 1993. And we were waiting for the amazing rescue. Rescue. You're floating offshore, Ken Jones, in your scuba outfits, I imagine. Yes. So you've got some buoyancy with you. Right. Well, the good news is we were able to float, but the bad news is we were not really able to, to go anywhere. We just have to rely on being found because we were too far away to swim for it and it was a Thursday, so I had hoped that on a Friday a lot of other fishermen tend to take long weekends that we would be out there and we would be rescued. And and that's pretty much what happened is by the time our wives called the Coast Guard and said our guys aren't back yet, the Coast Guard made light of it. And they said, well, most fishermen are divers. They're, they're probably someplace having a couple of adult beverages, you know, relishing in their, their catch. And she says, no, you don't know. I made meatloaf. He would have been home. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, unbeknownst to us, they had sent out some Jayhawks. Those are the helicopters that the Coast Guard has, and they were looking for us. But we didn't we didn't follow float plans, so uh -oh. it's a big gulf. So I'm doing all the things wrong. If your listeners want to start taking notes, uh, this is what you shouldn't do. Don't tell anybody where you're going, and and then have your boat leave you when you're all alone. So uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the Point Steel, it was a, a Coast Guard cutter coming out of Group St. Petersburg. And a good Samaritan had found the boat. It had re-anchored itself when the wind subsided. But they made an error, and they assumed that when they found the boat that that's where we had been diving the whole time. Well, of course, we know now that the boat had been drifting all night, right? So boat drifts a lot faster than two men in the water. So when they found the boat, they sent a Falcon jet from Miami, and they drop a sending buoy that tracks drift and set and winds and tides, and they do a reciprocal. Oh, so they're 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 looking north of us. Basically, right. they're saying, well, with the prevailing winds and tides, they should be somewhere up off of you know Newport Ritchie, and we're somewhere off of Clearwater by now. We drifted all all that distance in the night, so we could actually see the C-130 and the C uh, the the Jayhawk helicopters looking for us while we were in the water. And every time they turned, they turned north instead of south. And we thought, well, it's going to be a long day. Somebody will find us hopefully. So we did start kicking towards the beach, started kicking east, you know, figuring we could put a little bit of distance behind us. And then I looked on the horizon and I saw a larger profile boat. We had seen other boats that night. We had seen barges and steamers and sh shrimp, but we didn't have a flashlight or flare listeners. Some more things not to not do. And in fact, one shrimp boat was so close, Jim, we could hear the, we could hear ZZ Top playing. <laughs> oh, man. And we could see the glow of their cigarettes, but they couldn't hear us hollering and screaming. So I'll get to the rescue because I know that listeners are anxious i took my mask and my dive knife and made a reflect yeah made a mirror essentially and uh the, they had two young coast guard kids up on the front of the boat smoking that's that's the only place they're allowed to smoke so the sidebar to the story is cigarettes saved my life because if they hadn't been up there smoking they'd have kept going and they wouldn't have found us and 
Jaws might have found us. So the boat turned the direction, started heading right for us. They, they threw the little Zodiac in the water, pulled us out, put us up on the deck, gave us some coffee and some granola bars and called our wives and said, the good news is that they're here. The bad news is you're probably going to kill them now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I knew right then I was I wasn't officially saved. I didn't come for a couple more years, but I had a total peace about it, you know, and my friend Jeff had just gotten they, they just found out they were pregnant after 10 years of trying and he was all, oh, we're going to die. We're not going to make it. And I said, dude, we're going to make it. My mother-in-law is going to make everybody in the in the world come looking for us, you know. And, uh, you know, so God had given me a second chance. And so I, I almost named my boat Borrowed Time after that. But I, I knew that I was, a, you know, he's not done with me yet. Hmm. So did you actually recover the boat then? Yeah, the boat was fine. It was eerie. It was like one of those uh, murder mysteries. The dive flag was up. Back in this, we used beepers. They were on the deck, you know, with all these missed calls. There was no sign of struggle. And they... They called our wives and said, we found the boat, but there's nobody on it. And my wife said, well, that's, they're in the water. Look, in the water, because, you know, something happened. And sure enough, we were just out there bobbing around. Bobbing around. All right. So, but you threw in your long line before that. That was just an excursion. What caused right. you to throw in your long line and go into sales? Well, it's, I, you know, I had a college degree. I graduated from North Texas State with a degree in radio, TV, and film. So Really? I, yeah. Radio, TV, and film. Right. Check I had forgotten out. that. <clears throat> we, uh. I actually ran Morning Drive for a KNTU. I was Kenny Allen back in the day. That was my on-air name. And uh, we had a powerful transmitter, 440 watts. What's your blow dryer have? 1,200 watts? Yes. <laughs> 440 watts? Yeah, you but couldn't even a, get across the bay with that. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of flat land up there in North Texas State. But uh, no, I sat in a room just like this and had the transmitter right there and had the color wheel and did all that and did some disc jockeying. So I, I'm, I'm at home in front of a microphone. And this is a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm glad to be your guest. But back to what, what I was talking about is uh, the long lining was, it wasn't meant to last. It, that's a lot of work. That's dark to dark. I mean, you're, you're away from people. You're on a small 50-foot boat with three other guys who you end up, you've told the same stories now how many times? You can only do so much. You get up in the morning when it's dark. You work long, hard hours. You go to bed when it's dark. You get four hours of sleep, and you start it all over again. And then when you get back to the beach, we call it, you sell your fish, you get your money, and you spend it all. Jimmy Buffett had a line in Son of a Son of a Sailor, I think it was. I made a million dollars, but I spent it all away, something like that. It's true. You should see the lifestyle of commercial fishermen. Those guys, if you are listening, you know what I'm talking about. But I woke up one day in November, and we had been on the anchor for four days days it was blowing so bad it's it's too rough to pull the anchor to fish it's too rough to pull the anchor to go home so you just wait for the gales of november to subside that didn't work so good for the edmund fitzgerald no and i that's why i threw in that line and i said you know okay i gotta slap on a tie and go sell something this this fishing i can turn the page in the chapter of my life this i'm done with this and there's a lot of close calls i had out there I used to have to dive in the water if we got our cable and our prop because I couldn't ask one of the crew to do it. I had to do it myself. And you've got a 40-ton boat pitching up and up and down with the sharp bronze propeller and a rudder, and you're holding your breath. It's like, what am I doing? <laughs> Mom, <laughs> how did I get here? Oh, you know, I know you've got a love for fishing, and it's never subsided. But you've also got a love for sales. And, and, and what you know, we met... 
in 2005, as I remember. We met in 04, but in 05 we became friends because you decided you were going to go through evangelism explosion. And and I remember you walking into my car dealership and you said, Jimmy, I'm going to go into evangelism explosion and I need somebody praying for me on Monday nights. And I'm like, okay. I mean that's that was really the fir- that's when we first when we first bonded. Mm-hmm. You know that was long before the insurance business. I'm still selling cars. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life when I grow up. I'm still working on that. But you know it, it was cool. Why did you do EE? Yeah, I was one of those guys that when I when I when I became born again back in 1995. You know I I immediately signed up for everything I could. You probably hear about people like that. They get in a Sunday school class. They they go on visitations with the pastor. They do this. They do that. And so. You know, I continued along, and then I kind of started getting burned out. So then I just throttled back, and I just started being a regular church attender. And something transpired in my life where I started feeling guilty that, you know, my my life's verse, you know, Matthew five thirteen through sixteen, salt. What good is salt if 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 it loses its saltiness? You just throw it on the ground to be trampled under the feet of men. And what good is a light if you light it and put it under a bushel or a bowl or a basket? And I thought. I got to get out of my comfort zone because I kept hearing these great stories of guys that I knew that were just, they were, they were proselytizing and they were out witnessing the people. And I thought, man, that takes guts. But I'd been in sales and cold calling takes guts. The most guts it's ever. It's the same thing. So I thought, well, I just need to learn how no, to No, it's cold. way better because it doesn't, about <laughs> Jesus, Jesus does a lot of the work behind the scenes for right. you. That's true. That's a great point. So I thought, I got to figure out a way, you know. I've been to cold calling classes. I bet there are classes to get you to learn how to go out and evangelize. And sure enough, we have EE at our church. And so I said, well, this is it. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. And I signed up and we were, we were shopping malls, talking to people on park benches. We were stopping in random neighborhoods at night, knocking on doors. And I was petrified. And so many people opened the door and said, come on in. I was like, really? I wouldn't let anybody in in this neighborhood at night. Are you kidding me? And some of the leaders, God bless them, Ray Rodriguez and those folks, our pastors, and the, some of the, the more seasoned veterans, you know, the, the fearless witnessing folks is like, they do it every day. And I got through the course and I got my double question marks for my collar and graduated. It's still not easy. The two questions being? Yeah. The first one is, if you were to die today, that we call these the diagnostic questions. I said, if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you'd spend eternity in heaven, or is that something you think you're still working on? It's really three questions. The first question is two parts, and they're always you're always going to get an answer that's going to go something like this. Oh, I'm pretty darn sure I'm going. And then I say, well, if you were to stand before God right now in his kingdom, and he asked you why should he let you in, what would you say? And you're going to get a works answer almost every single time. Oh, I've been a good person. I never killed anybody. I've always put money in the plate. I go to church every Sunday, yada, yada, yada. And then you follow it up with the all have sinned, and, and you learn it, so you do it in your sleep. I mean, it's a conditioned response, but it works. And so that equipped me to go out, and now I look for people to be able to strike up a conversation, and I'm subtle because I realize it's easier to, for me to probably lead somebody to the Lord through a relationship. I want to I wanna be the salt and the light. I want to be that guy in a company with 100 employees that's different so that people will say, hey, but that's going to happen no matter yeah. what business you're in. You're going to be yeah. the guy that's different. I think so. And it can be different in a bad way, but there's always going to be somebody that's looking and wondering and wondering. And those are the ones I told you about. Look for people who are looking. Right. And if they come out of the woodwork, 
then you got them, you know. Now you can start talking to them. Well, and you took that passion then. You, you took your passion for reaching others for Christ and your passion for fishing, and you were no longer in it full time. You're out in the sales career, and you started this ministry called the Fishing Mission. You know, I stole it from Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers was brilliant. I don't ever remember the Promise Keepers fishing mission. No, but it's the concept. If you can get men that won't go to church into a football stadium and pack them full of other men and get the right people and the right music and sleep deprivation. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? I did some research and found out that there are more people that fish that play tennis and golf combined. Sure. And then you're in a state like Florida that's all coastline. What better place to have a fishing mission? And our little, we had a little fish logo with a wink, and it said, it was a catchphrase. It's 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 like fishing, but it's not all about you know fishing with a catch. That was our tagline, fishing with a catch. And I had the two diagnostic question marks. So I was dying for somebody to say, what's the catch? Did you get people to ask? You I that? did. I used to stand in uh, uh, tournament lines way with kingfish when everybody had been imbibing alcohol in the sun all day, and the, some guy says, well, what's the catch? And I'd say, well, the catch is we're, we're a ministry. We're actually trying to catch people for Jesus. And then I'd start talking to them, and you'd get the rolled eyes and the walk away. Sometimes you'd get people say, that's pretty cool, man. Uh, you know, so. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the fishing mission was great. It lasted seven years. I teamed up with a pastor at our church, Scott Harris. You know, he had the same drive for evangelism, and we would get different speakers. It was an hour and a half, and uh, nobody wanted to leave when it was over. We never actually fished. We were a fishing club, but we didn't actually go fishing. Never once. Everybody said, where is the event? And I said, you make the event. You know, Meet somebody here tonight that you don't know. Exchange phone numbers. You've got a boat. You've got money. Get together. And we created a lot of relationships that way. And I have pictures to this day of, of total strangers that became best friends through that, through that club. And, and I mentored a kid that was 10 years old that came to his fish, first fishing mission. His wife, or his mom, excuse me, was a... Uh, you know, cleaned the custodial at the church. And he was 10 years old from Columbia, didn't have a dad, and we took him to the first men and boys, uh, and he went to every fishing mission. His mom dropped him off, and I took him home. He's 20 years old now, and he outfishes everybody I know. Even you? <laughs> Even me. No way. He does, because he, he's young and he goes more. <laughs> well, well, he has more free time, and he doesn't have anywhere to spend his money. You got two. You got well. You got two out of college and one go, one in college. So. Yeah, two married and gone, and one left. Right? Well, yeah, then the one that's left is eating you out of house and home. I'm sure. Oh my gosh! Right. Welcome back to the I Work for Him show. I'm your host, Jim Brangenberg. Boy, we're having a fast moving conversation today. We've got Ken Jones, fisherman in all areas of his life, talking about how to catch fish no matter where you cast your line. And Ken, what I love about your story is that all of your life you've been fishing, including today. You're a commercial insurance agent. You're out there fishing for prospects all day long. And it's really all about, as you say, the four Ps. It is. You know, fishing requires practice. you got to practice the type of fishing that you're going to do. And then you have to be able to have the the patience. You know, we all, we all sit there and look at the bobber waiting for it to go under. How long do you sit there? How long does a heron have to sit on the edge of a bank before that fish swims along? <laughs> long time. Yeah. And you have to, what was it? practice, patience, and persistence. You don't just give up if you don't catch the first day, because maybe that wasn't the day they're biting. So all these... There's one more P. I know. You I'm said trying four. to figure out what it was. Um, practice, persistence, patience, and... Uh, 
Payday. <laughs> no, that's not what it was. I guess if you... I should have written them down when you were going through them on the break. I, I think if you do everything you're supposed to do, you get rewarded or you get paid. But the bottom line is the sales... I used to have a... I used to have a little catchphrase that I used to use if I had to, if I needed to stall to think of an answer. Was somebody said they posed a question and I said, you know, that's I used to say that's interesting. I used, now I now I say it's like fishing, and then they always say, what do you mean? And now I'm thinking of my next comeback, my snappy comeback. But well, you can relate almost any of life to fishing. It is. It's it's so true. It's like when when you mentioned about being a a, a networker, I said, you know. When you go fishing, you don't try to, to catch the whole school. You usually single out, you know, you're going for, if you're going for trophy fish, you, you, you look for the one, the one. I think there's even a TV program called The One. And at a networking group with lots of folks, you know, you'll go into a group and you say, okay, if, if I have, have had a successful hour at this function, I will have at least met one person and engaged a good conversation because that one person has a sphere of influence of a couple hundred people. And now I'm introduced to those people. Yeah, a lot of people go into those networking events and think they're going to get a thousand cards. Well, they, yeah, they're flinging and their then, cards, and, and then they're going to and they're getting cards. And the next day they're going to send out annoying emails or put you on their mailing list. Uh-huh. When really, networking the value of networking the way you and I do networking in Tampa Bay is we've got relationships. If somebody says, "Ken, who do you know?" You're right. like, "I got this person." I know you got to go this person, this person. And there's sometimes I've referred to those people, and then one time I tried, and I'm like, ooh, yeah. Well, they're not going to get referrals anymore from me. And, and, but right. that's we've got a list of people that we can chase after. I almost started a website called IKnowAGuy.com. I thought it you should have done that. It would have been better than Angie's list because I would would have only like when you were doing your uh, your warm when the sponsors. I know half the people you're talking about there because we know that we travel in the same circles, and it's it's just it's just a matter of practicing those those fishing tips i think life is like fishing it's not just business you know you better buy that website tonight because <laughs> people are gonna Somebody. be somebody's gonna buy that i know a guy.com i know a guy.com is it available andrea you have to look that up all right so really and as you're what, what's next for ken jones you're, you're facing empty nest syndrome you, you've been you've been an insurance agent now this is your seventh year if i got that right starting yeah. in 08 yep. Yep. yeah seven years as a commercial insurance agent you're out there fishing each and every day for great commercial prospects what's what's i mean but your fa- fisher's off of college now right he'll be going he's finishing up he's uh, oh he graduates this year graduates right. and then he's gonna, he's like the hulk he that is. boy is he's uh got really gotten into it. he makes you look like you're small he does he makes he can probably bench press my wife and I both, but uh, he's he's a good boy. He's going to stay at home for the next couple of years. Oh, he's going to mooch. Yeah, he's yeah. smart boy. Well, he's on a, a weight. I guess he's on a weight plan now, and he eats like two pounds of food at every sitting. So I don't know how we're going to support the kid, but he burns it off because he's always in training. But uh, <laughs> so he's going to mooch, eat your food, and do his plan. Yeah, I think I'd start I'll, charging I'll him rent know. or something. I don't know. Well, I'll, we can maybe we can brainstorm because I had I I came up with a concept. And I tried it for a year or two. I, I started thinking about all the people I know that see my, my fishing photos, and they say something like, "Oh, I wish I could catch fish like that," or "I've had a boat and I don't even know where to go." Or, so I thought, you know, if you're, if you want to learn how to play golf, you get a golf pro. If you want to learn how to play the flute, you get a music instructor. If you want to learn how to bowl, and I thought, why don't I become the saltwater fishing coach? Why not? I went out and bought the URL. Saltwaterfishingcoach.com. Yes, dot com. It, now you can't go there now because I already stopped doing it, and here's why I failed: is I, I posted all these different rates. I didn't ever take people on my boat. I would go on their boat, right, to show them how to anchor, boat ramp etiquette, 
fishing etiquette. <laughs> boat ramp etiquette. You'd be surprised. The greatest, funniest videos are boat ramp. Sunday afternoon, take a lunch and sit on the bench at the boat ramp. All right, so you're, but you took it yeah. off? Saltwater fish, saltwatercoach.com? I said, I want to be paid because you don't have to be licensed as a captain or insured because you're on somebody else's boat. Right. And all I do, I don't touch anything. I said, do this, do that, and you'll catch fish. So the first client that, that two guys hired me, both in their 70s. In fact, one guy took a folding chair on a boat. I've never seen that before. That's <laughs> a, a little freaky. chair. Yeah. And he laid the rod on the gunnel, and they caught more, the biggest kingfish they'd ever so caught. So why'd you stop? It worked so well. Why'd you stop? Because I couldn't stand to charge people for it. Because you love it so much, you can't stand it. I, I couldn't do it. I would go out. You've got a wife, I bet, that could yeah, encourage <laughs> you to do that. All right. Saltwater fishing. Saltwatercoach.com. Look for that to get updated right after this show. There's lots more there. All right. We've come to the end of another I Work For Him show. I'm looking for the people to join the I Work For Him Nation. A thousand people to take this challenge. A thousand people that will go onto my website, contact me, and say, Jim, I want to be part of the I Work For Him Nation. A thousand people will start praying for their coworkers and employees. A thousand people will start looking for ways to reach out to those coworkers and employees outside of work. Start showing them how real you are. Start looking for ways to serve them in the workplace. Start looking for ways to pray with them when they're having a bad day. And I'm looking for a thousand people to display excellence in Christ in their position in their workplace each and every day. Contact me on Facebook, I Work For Him. Or send me an email, jim at iworkforhim.com. Or go onto our website, iworkforhim.com, and click contact us. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.